Josh. I'm the lead pastor here at Colorado Life Church. I usually don't dress like this, but man, on Easter, I just have to. You know, Jesus makes us look good, so might as well feel good and dress good. Um, yeah, welcome to church. I'm so excited that you're here. Um, I, I want to start off by, by asking a question. Imagine if you opened the mail tomorrow, and in the mail was a letter, and it looks like official, it's, it's coming from like a law firm that's like so-and-so and so-and-so or so-and-so and so-and-so, you know, like one of those law firms. And you open it up, and inside the letter, it, it, it says that you had a long-lost relative, a distant uncle or something like that, or aunt or somebody, they passed away, and you are now uh, the receiver of like, say, five million bucks. You know, you just open this letter. You didn't, didn't even know this person existed, right? And you just, you're reading this letter and you, you find out that all of a sudden you're a millionaire. Maybe you're a millionaire already, but for those of us who aren't, you're a millionaire tomorrow. Now, I mean, there's a lot of, like, can we all agree there's a lot of scams out there these days? <laughs> you know, between social media, telescams, you know, just like, you know, every day somebody's calling me to tell me that, I have this insurance thing that's expired. It doesn't tell you what insurance or when it expired. It just is vague, you know, because there's a lot of scams out there, right? And, and even though there's a lot of scams out there, we can all agree, if you got a letter tomorrow that said, hey, you're, you, you, a long-lost relative left you $5 million, you'd at least check into it, right? I mean, it's worth it, Right? Because it's an offer that's too great not to look into. And, and in a sense, like, what do you have to lose, right? The resurrection of Jesus Christ is essentially that. It's an offer that's really worth looking into. Because if it's true, I, would, I, I beg, I would, I would suggest today that it's better than even $5 million from along lost uncle that's why we're, we're at church if you're a christian this morning that's why you're here this morning is to celebrate a great gift and every easter we have these rhythms built into our lives you know all throughout our lives but even in the church you know we've got christmas and we've got holidays and we've got but we have easter and easter for us I, i've heard it said this way it's kind of like our super bowl sunday as christians it's a big day. It's a big deal. But is it true? And, and this, that's what I want to talk about today is, is the, the, the claims of Easter that a man died and, and then rose again are so audacious that I think it's worth, is this real? It's worth asking the question. And maybe, you, maybe you've always been the type of person who likes asking questions. Maybe you even grew up in the church and you started asking questions and you got into trouble. I'm really glad you're at church this morning. Because we're going to look at, it, honestly, if, if the claims of Easter are so audacious, they're worth asking the question every year, each year. And I think this is actually part of the way that we can honor Jesus Christ is not just, just you know, like, just believe, but actually dig down deep and, and, okay, is this real? And if it's real, what implications does it have for my life? Here's the truth, guys. If you're a Christian and, and your Christian faith has not been shocked through 
with reasoning and thinking around a lot of things, but especially the resurrection. If you have not sat down and thought about, you know, the, the fact that is this real or not, your faith won't last through the ups and downs. And so it's important for us as Christians to, to talk about this. And Christian faith, yes, it, it, it's, it's more than just reasoning and thinking, but it is not less. Faith, I, would, I would contend that faith and thinking go hand in hand, actually. And for some of you, this might be kind of a new idea. The, the idea that, that faith is, is like, like maybe if you're not sure about your faith, it's possible that you, you would think those who have faith, they're just, they're just not like me. They can just accept what they hear. And I'm here to tell you that, that actually no faith, real faith, healthy faith and thinking need to go hand in hand. Students, if you're in the room, look at me. If you're a student, this is a really important for you to think about. Maybe you grew up in the church. Maybe your parents like, like have beliefs. And there's, maybe they believe in Jesus, maybe they, believe, they, they would call themselves Christians. You, as, as you, you, maybe you, hear, you grew up hearing things like Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and if you believe in him, you, know, you, you can be saved. There's a time in the not-too-distant future, if it's not already today, that your parents' beliefs will be challenged by somebody else, or maybe even yourself. You'll be thinking, wait, is this true? Um, and you'll have a, a choice whether your faith will go forward intact and become personally yours or you're like no that's not mine and as i as you differentiate from your parents part of what you differentiate is is your faith you, you, you walk away from the faith that was handed to you in a sense that's your choice billy graham once said that that christianity is always one generation away from extinction and it's the truth is because only you can make those decisions of whether you think this is real and whether you, can, you believe it and will step into it. And if you're not sure, I, I just want to say, hey, I've, I've walked with dozens of students over the, the last, let's call it decades. I think I'm up to almost two decades. And I'm with you. If you want to walk through that together, I'm with you. And, and for adults, here's the deal. Maybe, maybe you're, you st- you're like, it's not just a kid thing to, to wrestle with your faith, right? As adults, I want you to know if you're an adult, you're, and you're, you're not sure about this, you're skeptical about things, you're in the right church because this church has walked alongside dozens of adults as they've, they've walked through their faith and, 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 and kind of wrestle with things and question. We even had an atheist on staff here once. I'll tell you a little bit more about that story in a second. Like this is a place that we want to, to create for people to, to, in a sense, this might be the phrase for today, put the pieces of the puzzle together critically skeptically, reasonably, rationally. This is a place that we want to do that. And, and I think, honestly, Easter, Easter is a tradition that is really, truly about putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And, and, and the reason I say that is if you open the New Testament, which we're going to today, I'm going to just throw this over here. <laughs> if you look at the New Testament, what you find is a group of people that, that were not expecting the resurrection, okay? Nobody, here's what didn't happen on Easter Sunday. You know, like the, it was dark, and all of the disciples walked to the tomb. And they had like confetti poppers and, and fireworks, you know? And they're just like, hey, what time sunrise? Okay, it's, you know, like, okay, here it comes. 
No one was saying this on Easter Sunday. Ten, nine, eight, seven. No. If you know the gospel stories, you know that the disciples were not there. They were, they were hiding, scared. They just watched the most powerful man, the man they thought was the son of God, the Messiah sent from God, die on a cross by, by human hands that could easily do the same to them. Nobody was expecting nobody on Sunday morning. And so what you see when you open up the Gospels is an incredible account of the disciples. And maybe you've never thought about it this way. The disciples, the people who were closest to Christ, the people who heard Jesus say, hey, I'm going to die, and three days later I'm going to rise from the dead. Like he even said that. Like, like, like spoiler alert, guys, this is going to happen. They're like, that is not going to happen. You're going to rule the world, and we're going to rule it with you, and it's going to be awesome. And then he died. Nobody was expecting it. So what you find in the Gospels is them putting the pieces together. And I want us to see this this morning on Easter because I want us to do the same. I want to give you a, the chance with doubts and skepticism to put the pieces together and see what you actually really believe. So this is out of John chapter 20. It says this, early on the first day of the week while it was still dark... Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running. So she, she's at the tomb, and she runs away. She's like, oh, no. She, she comes running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved. Okay, this is hilarious. This is a side note. So John wrote the Gospel of John. And he never mentions his own name. He just uses the pet names that Jesus, quote, unquote, apparently used for him. Okay? So, so you know, Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, a.k.a. me, a.k.a. John, said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. Pause. So just to be clear, John is the beloved disciple, and he's faster than Peter. Okay? Okay? So, so, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked into, in, at the, stri the strips of linen laying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen laying there, as well as the clothes that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. This word saw is interesting. In the Greek, the, the normal word to, to, to say, hey, you saw, see something is blepo. There's not going to be a quiz. You don't need to remember that. The word that, that's used here is, is a little bit more interesting. It's a word that actually we would recognize from the Greek. It's theoreo, which where we get the, the, the uh, English word to theorize, to make a theory, to formulate, to process. So, so, so Peter, Simon, if you catch that, verse 6, Simon Peter comes along behind. He goes straight in the tomb, and he saw the strips of linen. And he just stood there, and he's trying to do what? He's trying to figure out, he's trying to put the pieces together of what happened. His immediate reaction is not, oh, Jesus rose from the dead. Let's go find him. He's like, no, oh, no, what, what, what just happened? 
And to put it into context, there's the linens that are wrapped there when they buried somebody in the ancient times, especially if it was a burial where they, they were cared for, which Jesus was, a, a man named Joseph of Arimathea, was a rich man, had him buried and, and taken away so that his body wasn't desecrated even more. And he had a proper burial, which means that, that in the burial linens, there would have been all sorts of fragrance and, and like, uh, like fine, smelly stuff that was worth money, which is why there were grave robbers. Is why, so, so one of the, he's theorizing, he could have been thinking, okay, if someone stole Jesus' body, why did they leave the most valuable part? He can't make sense of that. And on the other flip side, he's like, okay, if it was one of the disciples or one of Jesus' followers, wh- you know, what, why, would they, like, why would they leave like, him naked and take him out that way? Like, that's, that doesn't seem like something they would do. He, he, Simon Peter came alongside of him, went straight in the tomb, and he theorized, he saw the strips of linen lying there, and they would continue. And what I want us to see here. See, when I grew up, and my mom and I were just talking about this the other day, when, when growing up, there was this kind of static, like, disciples, like, they didn't get it, and then as soon as they got it, they really got it. And what I just want to see here, what I, so, I want us to see here is it's a little more fluid than that. It took them time, not just a couple days. It took them weeks, even months, even years to figure out the implications of a risen Lord. It took them years to put the pieces together, if you will. It continues. It goes on. The clothes, uh, uh, the clothes were lying, still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Verse 8. Finally, the other s- disciple who had reached the tomb first, again bragging, also went inside. He saw and he believed. They still did not. But the, catch it. So he believes. But catch what it says next. They still did not understand from cr- Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back where they were staying. You see this? You see the process? You see they have to figure this out. And I just want to say to you today, if if you're figuring out faith, if you're not quite sure where you stand, that's okay. You're not alone. The disciples themselves had to do the same. That, That processing would continue throughout this as a theme throughout the New Testament. Even into in the other Gospels, there's a guy named Thomas. And I feel bad growing up, I heard, you know, Thomas is always called Doubting Thomas. As in, oh, poor Thomas. And I don't look at it that way at all. I think, I think Thomas was actually maybe the, 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 the rational one of the group. Like, hey, you guys say he is risen? I don't believe it. In fact, I won't believe it unless I can put my, my fingers into the holes in his hand, guys. The holes in his Remember, he was stabbed with a spear. Unless I can do that, I'm out. And Jesus appeared to Thomas. And Thomas was actually able to do that. He fell down and said, my Lord, my God. You know? But he, he was putting the pieces together. Even down to, to the very last verses of Matthew 28. This is actually like, this could be like the pinnacle of, of, of the, the, the gospel of Matthew. Is this, this whole Jesus has died. He's rose from the dead. He's been appearing to the disciples. And he's just about to leave and ascend and go back into heaven and give them this, 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 this commission, right? This, this uh, what's another word for commission? Well, I can't think of it. Like, like a, what? 
a job, yes, a mission, right? He's going to send him out and say, go tell the world every, everything about me. I know I'm, risen, I'm the risen Lord, but I want you to go. He's just about to say this, and look at what it says here. This is, this is Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw them, they worshipped, worshipped him, but, you see this? Some doubted. And I've just, I, every time I read this, like, like, I grew up, and anytime someone quoted this verse, they always went to, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and surely I'll be with you for the rest of the days. You know, like, I, they go to that part. And now when I read this, I always start back in here. Because it, it, it's interesting. Like, like and, and here's the thing. Here's part of the reason why I believe that the resurrection happened is because of things like this. If you were <laughs> the disciples, and you're like, you know what? That Jesus train was a good thing to ride. Let's keep it going. You know, let's just say he rose from the dead. And then we can keep telling his stories and have reunion parties and, you know, and maybe get some fame out of it. If you were doing that, would you include things like that? Because I wouldn't. I'd be like, no, no one doubted. We all knew, you know, he told us. And, and we're, we're quick, you know, we, we're with it. And the disciples are not afraid to show themselves in a bad light. Why? Because that's what actually happened. It's possible that that's why it actually happened. There's, and, and, and here's what I want us to take from it. When they saw them, they worshipped him, but some doubted. There's room for doubt at the table of faith. That's my takeaway from this. There's room for, for you can worship and doubt in the same sentence. It just keeps going. There's, there's, I could talk about a lot of different things. But where I want to focus for the rest of our time today is, is on, the, on the book of Acts. So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that, those go through the life and the ministry of Jesus, starting, mostly starting with the, his birth, going through his death, and to his resurrection. And then, you know, like, honestly, like, Matthew ends right there. Jesus goes up into heaven. Right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's a book called Acts. And that's called, I, when I was a kid, I thought it was like, Acts. It's not. It's the acts or the actions of the disciples and the apostles and the followers of Jesus following his rising from the dead, going up back into heaven. And in there, what's incredible is, and, and, and honestly, you should read this. If you've, maybe you've read the Gospels before but never read this, you should read this book. This book's really, really interesting because it's fluid. It's dynamic. They're figuring things out. You can almost, if you read it and you kind of get to know it, you can almost see the light bulbs going off like, oh, I get it now. Oh, that's what the Isaiah passage is for. Oh, that's what that psalm passage that talks about them suffering and why, God, why have you forsaken me? That's right. Jesus said that on the cross right as he died. Then it's, you know, it's like this foreshadowing, it's this prophecy from hundreds of years ago telling about his life. And, and they're, pu they're putting the pieces together throughout the whole book of Acts. It's really, really interesting. There's one story I want us to look at from chapter, um, chapter 4, and, and before that in chapter 3. Actually, yeah, like, there's some things I want to look at in chapter 3. Peter and John, same two that, went, that ran to the tomb, they're walking through Jerusalem one day. They're going up to the temple to worship. So, so this is, keep in mind, this is like, like a month to two months after the, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. So it's, it's, it's fresh, right? 
they're still trying to make sense of it. There's been some incredible things that have happened. They told a bunch of people in Jerusalem about what had happened, and crazily, a whole bunch of people believed it. And, and they, they became followers of Jesus, and they believe in the resurrection. In chapter 3, they're walking, and it's just, it's just a day. They're just going up to the temple to pray. And um, they see this guy who is lame, who can't walk, and he's placed near the temple for charity so that people can give him alms and charity, and they can maybe, you know, like, that he, he can survive. So he, they're on their way up, and this guy asks them for something. And Peter's like, you know, silver and gold I don't have, dude, but what I have I'll give to you. Just in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And the man's, they take, Peter takes his hand and, and heals him. And they get up and walk. And, like, people are freaking out. And there's this crowd that draws. And Peter preaches. Every, every time the, <laughs> there's a crowd, Peter's like, all right, well, I'll preach, I guess. You know, you guys, here we are. You know, like, in fact, let's see. No, no, I'll get to that in a second. So, you're like, here you are, guys. Like, uh, like, you remember Abraham? You remember Isaac? Yeah, there were forefathers. You remember David? Yeah, you know, well, Jesus is from them, and then he says this to them in, 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 in verse 14 of chapter 3. He says, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murder to be released to you. You guys killed him. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses to this. He's like, you know that guy, Jesus? Yeah, we remember that guy, Jesus. Remember, it's just a couple weeks ago. The whole, in fact, if you were here last Sunday when we were talking about Palm Sunday, Jesus rode in on a donkey. And, and it was just huge reception. I mean, no, they, like it was, it was a huge party that everybody in Jerusalem at the time knew about, heard about. These people knew, yeah, you know Jesus? Yeah, you guys killed him. Turns out he was the author of life. But it's okay because God raised him from the dead and we saw him. And then they do this whole thing, verse 19. They're like, what should we do? And then Peter says, oh, repent then. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And he's speaking through Jesus. Repent. Bring your sins before him and, and, and let them be absolved. The next day, so let me fast forward on the story. So they get, they get arrested. Peter and John, because they're, they're making a ruckus, they're making a stir, and they're already, things are tenuous between them and the religious rulers. So they get arrested, and they, they kind of interrogate them. Again, they, do, they make the mistake of giving Peter the microphone, and Peter's like, all right, well, I'll preach to you. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you guys remember that? You guys killed the author of life, and this time he really throws it out, because it actually is the guy's, this is, this is crazy. He's before this guy named Caiaphas, and all the, the, he, there's all these names in the book of Acts. Those are the same dudes that killed Jesus six weeks before. The, remember, six weeks before, Peter, Peter hurt. He's like on the outside, if you're familiar with the Gospels. Peter was like the only disciple that actually kind of tailed Jesus when he got arrested. Like, maybe I'm going to do something. He's outside the temple courts with these guys inside, and they're beating Jesus up, and he runs away. Oh, no, before he runs away, he, he tells a little girl that he's never met him before. He's so embarrassed. He's so scared. Now, fast forward six weeks later, and Peter and, and John are before the same people, maybe even in the same building that all of that happened. And Peter's like, you guys killed me. You need to say you're sorry. And they're like, who, by what authority, what name did you use? He's like, you guys know the name. It's Jesus Christ who healed that man. And th this is where we pick up Acts 4, verse 5. The next day, 
the rulers and elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander. See, these are all the dudes, other the high priest. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question, by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how is healed, you know this. I almost want to say, like, then, you, then know this. You guys know this. You and all the people of Israel, it's in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. This, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus, the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Self, he says, that's who we're talking about. And then he says this. He makes this statement. Hey, guys, I, it's, it's, it's hard, to, it's hard to, to really do justice how potent this next statement is to these people. Salvation is found in no one else. They're like, wait, wait, in who? You're saying salvation is found in the guy we just saw walking around? Salvation is only found in God. And they said, yes. That's our point. Jesus, who was walking around, was fully God, fully man. Therefore, there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. It's an audacious statement. Verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Do you ever feel ordinary? <laughs> Kids, students, do you ever feel unschooled at school? They were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had fled and ran away and were scared and denied and all of these things. And now all of a sudden, they're like running around with courage and boldness. And we're going to find out why, because Peter's going to tell them here in a second. He, when they saw this, um, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Then they called them in again, verse 18. And commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Just quit it. Like, guy, like I, I, I picture the conversation kind of going like this. Guy, guys, we know you're fired up about this Jesus thing. But, like, we don't need to be doing this. We don't need to keep meeting like this. I, I don't want to do this. You know, like, like the good cop, bad cop kind of thing maybe going on. Like, we don't want to beat you up. Just stop. This response to me is so good. But Peter and John replied, verse 19, which is right in God's eyes, religious rulers? What's right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about, you catch this? What we have seen and heard. Not what Jesus taught, although that was good. Not that we can't talk about like all those nice things that he did, you know, to all those, those poor people, although that's worth talking about. Guys, what's really, really interesting as the, as the disciples are putting together the pieces of the puzzle in the book of Acts and beyond, they don't, <laughs> they never have a like, hey, let's just get, let's have a Jesus reunion. We'll make t-shirts and we'll talk about, you know, like, like Peter, why don't you, you, tell, you teach the good Samaritan? Those are all important things. You know what was the center of their message throughout the whole New Testament? It was this simple fact that they watched a guy die 
And then a few days later, they were eating fish with him. And in their minds, that changed everything. See, I don't believe in the resurrection because the Bible tells me so. I I believe in the, the resurrection because of Peter and John and what they saw. And what they heard, that, 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 that they, they, they watched a man die and then and saw him afterwards. I don't, I, don't, I'm not, I don't believe in the resurrection because the Bible tells me so. Because Thomas doubted. And his doubts were, were, um, were, were what's that? Yeah, I don't even know that word. That's a good one. What she said. <laughs> and then he spent the rest of his life chasing the sunrise going east. And we think he made it almost all the way to India to tell people about Jesus Christ, not the things he taught, but the fact that he died and rose again. I'm a Christian because because James, the brother of Jesus, who's like nowhere to be found in like the gospels for good reason. If, if, if If your brother started to, you know, preach, hey, I'm the son of God, you'd be like, see ya, you know, like what does your brother have to do to persuade you that he's the son of God, I think it's not much shy of raising from the dead. And after he raises from the dead, James enters the scene and he starts writing. He becomes one of the major influencers and one of the major leaders of this Christian movement. That's why I believe the resurrection is true. Because of Paul, who persecuted Christians. And when he met the risen Lord, did a 180 like no one else. And I could talk about so many things. We could talk about the prophecies. We can talk about the reliability of the New Testament documents and compared to ancient documents. Like, did you know that there's, like, thousands of New Testament documents in, like, um, Homer's Odyssey? There's, like, eight. It, like, the, 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 like, we could talk about that. We could talk about the explosive growth of Christianity in the first couple hundred years, especially in the first, in the first generation. While there's eyewitnesses still alive, people are, you know, like, like they're still talking about it. There's so many reasons. And they're good reasons. But there's another reason that I want us to land on this morning. That I believe in the resurrection. And it's kind of this X factor. It's, it's we could call it resurrection life. It's one of those things where reasoning can take you so far. But then, the, like, like, it's kind of like this, guys. Um... We need reason. Faith and reason need to be in, in, in balance together. But reason, it's like almost can always take us so far. It's almost like a diving board. Like, like reason can take us up the stairs to a diving board. Reason can take us to the edge of the diving board. But there comes a point in time where you kind of just have to jump in. You, you have to take the leap of faith. It's, it's an appropriate way of saying it. Where you say, in, in, where you say, you know, I, 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 maybe I believe these things, and I still have questions, but I, I'm going to trust God that He is who He says He is. And see, when that happens, and many of us here have experienced, it's really the reason why we do this thing called church. I'm not trying, like, you guys don't need something to do on Sunday morning. Like, there's a lot of other things you could be doing right now—a hike or skiing or whatever, right? But the reason we're here. As Christians, and the reason why this is so important to us is because we have found something in Christ. Our faith in Christ has led us to to a life of meaning, of purpose, of peace, of beauty, 
community. And for those of us who believe this, like it, it, not only is it so such a wonderful thing, not, it, it's so much better than $5 million from a long-lost uncle because it's just, it's just the start of it. And I've felt that resurrection, resurrection life within me. And some of you have as well. And some of you haven't. And honestly, I want to give you a chance to, I'll give you a chance in a couple minutes to receive that, but like, like what it's going to take is, there's a point where, yes, reason can get you this far, and then you got to take the step of faith. It's part of the mystery of faith. It's part of the mystery of the way that God designed it to be. And there's no one who can do it for you, like we were talking about with the students. Like, there's no one who can do this for you. Only you can make that jump, but on the other side of that jump, guys, is life abundantly. I, just, I can't explain it until you jump. I can, I can only explain it so much. And that is, when we do that, it's kind of like Neo leaving the Matrix. It's kind of like the, the Wizard of Oz and, 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 what's her name? Dorothy. Dorothy, like, finally getting to go home. You see these, these stories. This is all this, this life that we long for. It's written on our hearts because we were created for it. It's the fingerprints of God on our hearts, and therefore, we need to jump. We need to make the jump. And so, what I want to do, I, I, honestly, it's, it's Easter Sunday, and we don't normally do this as a church, but I want to give you a chance right now. Go ahead, bow your heads. I want us to pray. And if you're, if you're the person that's just like, man, I, I don't, I, I've believed in God maybe my whole life, or I'm, I'm coming back to this idea, not quite sure where I stand, but I'm drawn to this. If you'd be willing to pray with me, pray this prayer, Lord, have mercy on me. Thank you, God, for what you've done for me. I believe you died, and that death was for my sins. Lord, I also believe that you rose again, and I want that life. Because of your love for me, I, I, want, I want to make you Lord of my life. Take away my sin, and lead me into life you intended it to be. Lord, I thank you for the resurrection. I thank you for those who just prayed it. I thank you for those who are saying, Lord, I want to take the plunge. And I pray that you would meet them today. While your, your uh, heads are bowed and every eye closed, if you just prayed that prayer, would you do me a favor and just put your hand up? If you prayed that prayer and, and received that grace, put your hand up. Thank you. God, we, we thank you for, for the cross, the, the, the cross which we'll sing about here in a second. We thank you, Lord, that, that uh, you loved us enough, not only to die for us, but, Lord, you love us enough to walk with us through our doubts, through our, uh, our, our, um, our processing. Thank you for the stories that show that in the New Testament. Pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing.